We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, do you have thoughts poking you in the back of your head about what Anthony Lynn did last game? If you have a question or hot take about the Chargers that you'd like to tell us, you can send it in through the new Guilty as Charged mailbag. To get your question in, leave us a review including the question on the Apple Podcasts page for the show. We'll be checking the reviews regularly and answering them ASAP. You could ask me to clarify my opinion on Josh McDaniels for the 20th time. Or ask Steven which Utah Ute player he wants to overdraft in the second round. Tyler can even write you a soliloquy about Young Wei Koo and how he represents the Asian community if asked nicely. If you don't have Apple Podcasts because you're a loser and your friends make fun of you for having an Android like me, no big deal. You can also email the show through guiltyascharged at gmail.com or participate in the monthly Patreon Q&A. Give us your hot takes. The world is your oyster. Bolt up! Hey guys, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. This is business as usual. You know, we had a lot of fun doing some live streams this week. Hopefully you enjoyed those, but we're back to uh, the normal routine of the Monday, Thursday show. So I uh, got a fun one planned for you guys today, obviously talking about the, re- the recent free agency moves such as Jared Cook and Ode Abushi. I'm assuming that's how you say it until I see her otherwise. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about some draft implications from free agency as well. Um, first and foremost, Alex and Tyler are here with me today. Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. It feels a little bit better to be doing the normal show and I don't have to read, you know, all the comments coming across at the same time. Um, so, you know, we'll do live streams because they're fun and I'm sure we'll do draft stuff, but it's a nice little breather. It is a nice little breather, man, and definitely a lot of fun to do those. And we thank you guys for tuning in and supporting the show that way. Uh, Tyler, how are you doing today? 
Live comments or no comments, I will still forget what I'm saying mid-sentence. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, you know, it was classic fashion where I proclaimed that I had no interest in in a certain player. And then that certain player signs with, with the Chargers the next day in Jared Cook. Uh, I've come around. Uh, I, I'm not really, you know, saying that it's a bad signing or a good signing. I just think it's, you know, it's a good value signing. And it's a good stop, stop gap option for uh, Hunter Henry. So things moved really quick that day. You know, went from uh, the Chargers were, were reportedly trading for Zach Ertz, or at least in the conversation. Uh, Michael Silver said that they were in on Kyle Rudolph as well. And then ultimately they signed uh, Jared Cook. So Tyler, what was your uh, initial reaction? And, and, you know, now that we've had a few days to sit on it, what do you think of the Chargers signing Jared Cook? It's a great way to phrase the question. Because at first I'm like, ah, come on. Especially because 30 minutes before it's like, oh, they're interested in Ertz. Again, the second yeah. report, like, okay, here we go. And then they signed Cook. It's like, ah, oh, okay. And, it's you know, based on what the other teams did, like the Bills, it seems like the Eagles were asking for way too much. Yeah. Whether that be the fourth or third, whatever they were asking for, the Chargers weren't budging. And that's fine. Now that the dust has settled, I get it. You know, the Chargers were not efficient in the red zone. I think they were 20th. The Saints were fifth. A large part of that is because of Jared Cook, you know, in between the 20s. Every single one of his touchdowns last year was between the 20 and the, you know, the goal line. Um, if you can, do you guys know which one was the one that was longer than 20 yards? It was the one against Chargers. the Chargers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so great. You know, it worked for Herbert last season with Parham a couple of times, or at least one time, you know, fire to the left against the Bucks. Easy jump ball, get the layup, whatever. The only thing I'm concerned with is that the team is still pretty slow. Um, Keenan Allen, while not, you know, incredibly fast or slow, he's, he's not all that fast. Mike Williams, nah. you know, Jalen Guyton's your speed, but he can't catch. And, you know, Jerry Cook is not fast. And so you're relying on Tyron Johnson, guess, I guess, as your best burner. And I just think the offense overall is just kind of slow right now. So a lot of big body targets, a lot of good red zone stuff. And, you know, maybe Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen can get you from 20 to 20. And then you turn to your bigger guys in the end zone or whatever. But I just think the offense is pretty slow. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about right now. Um, and also, I just want to see what they do next. Where, where does the Chargers plan after this? You know, yeah. they got rid of all their offensive linemen, which is great. But what was your plan? Of course, their plan was Filer, Lindsley, Abuji, and who knows going into the draft. So that's great. So if Cook is your only option for the entire season in Parham, I'm really concerned. But, you know, they've met with a tight end. We know they'll probably take a tight end in the first five picks at least. Um, so if they do that, I'll feel much more comfortable. But for right now, it's a good signing. But I, I do want to see just a little bit more because I am concerned a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, my initial reaction was disappointment because you know, <laughs> I was all in on the Earth's train. Right. But, you know, when I thought about it, it was like, well... You know, is Ertz going to be around, right? And if Ertz has a career year, can you really afford to pay him in 2022? Because you're thinking about maybe a Mike Williams extension. If Derwin James stays healthy, maybe a Derwin extension, right? Um, so there's a lot of things that they have to fill out. And uh, Zach Ertz, I, I think it was less the picks, honestly, and just the fact that Ertz wouldn't commit uh, to signing a contract extension. And then in that case, if we're just comparing stopgap options, you know, Jared Cook is someone that you can bring in for one year. You can bring him back the next year if you need to. Uh, and, you know, but Ertz isn't that kind of guy with the you know sort of money he's going to make or figures to make. Uh, and Kyle Rudolph was a little bit sort of the same thing, obviously not as big as Ertz, but, you know, he did sign a two-year deal with the Giants. So that's sort of, you know, years 
you are sacrificing more cap room uh, over, you know, two year stretch as opposed to a one year with cook. Um, I was a little bit disappointed at first, like Tyler said, in terms of, you know, Jared cook is, isn't necessarily like an, you know, athlete or anything, but I mean, at the same time, Hunter Henry wasn't necessarily super athletic either. And I kind of think cook has more upside in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I don't think his production is quite going to match what Hunter Henry was able to put up, which is, you know, he probably, had he not missed the last games with COVID, probably would have wound up with 700 yards. Uh, you know, I don't think that Jared Cook's going to do that, but he did have 500 yards this year, uh, and I think seven touchdowns, even though his production, uh, or no, his number of snaps declined towards the end of the year because they yeah. wanted to play uh, Troutman. But um, I... I I think it's a fine replacement for a year. You figure out where you are next year. Uh, the biggest upside to it is the long-term flexibility, right? You can take a Tommy Tremble, you can take a tight end, you can do whatever you want. Uh, and that really helps, right? In terms of the long-term development of the position, you can see what you have in Parham if you like that. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest upside to it. And then obviously the second biggest upside is, you can uh, you have Frank Smith and you have Joe Lombardi and you know both of those coaches were linked to two of Jared Cook's Pro Bowl seasons yeah. uh, at age thirty one and thirty two. So you know he's not that much older now. It's just been a year since his last Pro Bowl season. So um, I think it's a decent signing for one year. You gives you flexibility. You can see where you go from here. And uh, yeah, I mean he can play. I think at a relatively high level. And now Justin Herbert is his quarterback instead of you know. A sort of declining breeze. Well, breeze in Taysom Hill. Like he had four or five games with Taysom Hill. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I I understand why they did it. Right. You know, it it made sense on paper. Like like Alex was just saying, they had the coaching connections, two of them, uh, to boot. And so, if anybody knows how to get the most out of Jared Cook, it's it's these two guys, Frank Smith and Joe Lombardi. So that makes sense. Like Tyler was saying, the red zone options it makes sense to me, right? Because. Now you have 6'8 Donald Parham, you have 6'5 Jared Cook, and you have 6'4 Mike Williams. And, and you know, you have a, a quarterback with a really strong arm and, and who is coming off a great season. So I get that kind of thing. I'm just a little concerned because you know, people were like, well, Jared Cook is a decent blocker. He's he's not. Jared Cook is not a good blocker. Um, you know, most of his snaps come out of the slot. And when his teams have needed a good blocker, they go to other tight ends. You know, obviously, you know, uh, New Orleans had Josh Hill and, and Oakland slash Las Vegas had uh, Foster Moreau and, and other guys to, to kind of take on that that kind of duty. And so it just doesn't make sense to me from that kind of standpoint. And if they're really going to bring in a lot of Kyle Shanahan influence, they're going to need to add a truly, truly legitimate blocking tight end because – you know, if you look at what Green Bay has done, their rushing efficiency without Mercedes Lewis at tight end went way down. And if you look at San Francisco, yeah, they have George Kittle, who's an amazing receiving tight end, but he's also the best blocking tight end in the league. And so, you know, you look at all these places, all these Shanahan offenses around the league, they need a really good blocking tight end, and they don't have that. They have Jared Cook and they have Donald Parham. I think t- Tommy Tremble is probably the best blocker in the draft. But that's going to be an adjustment for him, you know, blocking ACC teams instead of blocking NFL teams. So I don't know. That's that's my one concern here is the blocking aspect of things, because if they're really going to do a lot of Kyle Shanahan thing, which Corey Lindsley said, it, you know, it's going to be an easy transition for him from the Shanahan system that Green Bay is running to what they're going to be running in L.A., 
they're going to need a better blocking presence. And the other thing too, is like Gabe neighbors, isn't a good blocker either. So, <laughs> you know, what are they going to do in blocking? Right. You know, not taking shot at Gabe neighbors. Cause we've kind of done that a lot, but you know, he's not a great blocker. That's just the reality of the situation. So whether that's bringing in Mercedes Lewis or bringing back Virgil green or something, you know, they're going to have to upgrade the blocking department in the tight end room. Yeah, I mean, Jared Cook just straight up isn't the blocking tight end. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't even think <laughs> he doesn't even do it. It's like a, it, it's a, he's good or he's bad thing. Like, you know, he had three blocking snaps last year. If you look at his pro football focus, oh, <laughs> so <gosh>. like, <laughs> there, there, there's, 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 you know, he doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and and maybe they can find a way to position him in that role. But you know, I think the better bet, uh, based on the Jared Cook route that they've taken is probably to take a tight end within those first uh, four picks, which I think is much more likely now, um, and see what you can get out of Parham, right? If Parham develops into a better blocking tight end, maybe you have something there. Um, You know, honestly, you mentioned Mercedes Lewis, and he is a free agent. I mean, you know, he's 37. I don't know if Green Bay is going to want him back. We'll see. Um, But I wouldn't mind giving him a one-year deal. Uh, as kind of a blocker and sort of like a Virgil Green type role, if he would be willing to take that. Um, but yeah, they they definitely need a blocking presence for sure. They could just put Virgil Green in a Virgil Green role. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that works I thought, too. I thought they wanted, the team wanted to get younger, but they just went with Cook, so why mm-hmm. not Green? Like, I don't see a reason why you can't, unless his injury is you can't come back from it. Yeah. I'm a little worried that they're setting themselves up. So based on, you know, if you were betting, you'd probably think left tackle at 13, a corner in the second round, yeah, and you know, edge and receiver, interior lineman, and in, in the third round or whatever. Now you may have to take your Brevin Jordan in the second, or you have to take Tommy Tremble, probably with that first third round pick. If you really want him, um, you could wait. I'm, it's really nice in the you know the draft network mock drafts to wait until the fourth round to take him, but it's just not going to work like that. Right? They want their guy, and I don't know how many blocking tight ends, really good blocking tight ends, there are in this draft. So I just I'm worried that they're going to set themselves up to go tackle, go corner, and then have to get Tommy Tremble. And now you're taking edge with your back third round pick, or you switch it up, take an edge. And now you're taking, you have a corner with your second, third round pick. Like I'm getting a little bit worried there. So I'd like to see a position addressed or just bring back Virgil Green. Or maybe they like Darnold Parham as a blocker. I thought he got better. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's the route that's that they're true. going. Maybe they think he's a legitimately good blocker. Fine. I just, I mean, good luck. I mean, if he is that, then I obviously would give them a lot of flexibility because then they don't have to take a Tremble or a Brevin Jordan or uh, Kenny Yaboa early. They can kind of wait and take a, another developmental guy. But, you know, the good the good news is that Jared Cook, you know, with him, Donald Parm is not exclusively the tight end one. Like, he is the stopgap yeah. option, like Alex said. It gives them flexibility. And they just have to improve in the blocking department and, and they should be fine. You know, in terms of, like, you know, we'll talk about like long-term, you know, ramifications. But the next signing that the Chargers made over the weekend was uh, Ode Abuji. And, you know, at first I was like, okay, like he was a backup for most of his career. You know, really only started for one season. And then Brandon Thorne was like, no, 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 no. This guy's legit. <laughs> and then Duke Mannyweather was like, no, 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 no. This guy's legit. And so it was a it was a wild ride of like, oh, maybe this is just like a cold tone of replacement to like, no, this guy is going to be a legitimate starter for them. Uh, just a wild turn of events, super cheap, super affordable deal. Uh, Tyler, you did that breakdown on him, which if you haven't checked it out, make sure you go check it out on our YouTube channel. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from watching him on film? Uh, I think you only did the one game, right? 
Yeah, I just did the one game against Washington. I was trying to find a team that had some sort of decent defensive front, right? And I was genuinely surprised that this guy, no one really knew who this guy was. I know Daniel Popper put him in his article. Of course, Sudman called him out because he put like every free agent lineman in his article. <laughs> that quite doesn't count. I think he had um, like 41 linemen in there, man. Like, <laughs> great. <laughs> like, <yeah>. But come <laughs> on. Um, I was just impressed with the fact, you know, if I was if I was grading him and just purely off that game and he was a rook, is a, a draft pick, a potential draft pick, I legitimately might have given him a first round grade. He saw he did a little bit of everything I would have liked to see, whether it was pulling, whether it was taking on different responsibilities, picking up the blitzes and whatnot. And to have a veteran like that at such a cheap price sandwiched yeah. in between Balaga and Lindsley, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm sure Balaga's, I haven't watched Balaga's tape in a long time, but you just put out a thing on Lindsley and you see how great he is with communication, understanding everything. And now you have someone like Abuji, who, who, at least off of one game, looks like he understands everything the defense is trying to do him, or at least understands his responsibility and yeah. can execute. So not only is this line, I think, just more talented overall, they're just smarter. They just seem like the Chargers are also putting together a smart offensive line. And they didn't have that last year. And it, they suffered for it. And if you wanted to get into the stats, go for it. It's it's nasty. It is, it is rather nasty, right. man. Uh, speaking of... Uh, go ahead, Alex. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of stats, like, you know, my first inclination when he was signed was to be like, all right, what was his PFF score last year? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Like many people. And you look at it, it's like, oh, he had a 66.2. And then you realize, oh, wait, offensive linemen are supposed to grade in the 60s, <laughs> which yeah. we're not familiar with, with yeah. Chargers players. Um, and then, you know, Tyler posted a good film breakdown on YouTube. And it's like, OK, you know, this guy has something to him. You know, I don't know if he's going to be the starter. Right. That depends on what right. they do in the draft. You know, if they take a Wyatt Davis or, you know, whatever they do. Um, but. You know, I think he has the potential to start, and he's basically Cole yep. Toner, but better, right? You know, and he has mm-hmm. 41 starts under his belt. Um, he's been around the league. <laughs> you know, one pressure allowed on uh, 622 snaps. Or sorry, one sack allowed on uh, 622 snaps, 11 pressures. That's really good. Um, yep. You know, we'll have to see kind of how uh, it all plays out. But I, I don't know if they're going to sign another guard or if they're going to just go forward with the bougie. But I have a lot of confidence in him to just kind of nail it. Right. And the other thing, you know, we mentioned that he's going to be sandwiched in between Corey Lindsley and Ryan Balaga. And that's probably great a lot situation. better than what he. Yeah. Great situation. It's probably a lot better than what he had in Detroit or Seattle. Right. And these other stops he's made in the NFL. So, you know, uh, you know, his his contract, you know, you're getting one point seven five million for one year. That's a great contract for the Chargers. Not so much for a bougie, because if you're playing in California on one point seven five million, that means you really get like two hundred K total. But, oh, um, you know, it's uh, it's a good deal for the Chargers. Uh, yeah. I think they'll get the most out of it, whether it's him as a backup or him. Uh, you know, they just they just need a decent uh, decent offensive lineman. And the other thing I like about the signing is just like it's clear that they're going full nuclear option, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, other than Pipkins and Norton and some of the other guys that are still on the roster, you know, they're throwing out Tevi and or, well, we'll see with Tevi, but Feeney and Lamp are gone, uh, and we'll see kind of what happens. But I just like that they have this attitude with the offensive line. We're going to go out and get the guys we want. And we're going to just fix it, right? That's what we've been asking them to do. Uh, I, you know, Daniel Popper was of the mindset and I was of the mindset that 
you know, maybe they'll bring back one of the three, two of the three, just as depth pieces, but new coaching staff, new offensive line. Uh, I really like that just in general. Yeah. You know, it, it was really smart of them. Like, you know, this is what happens with new coaching staffs, right? Like you come in and you go nuclear and, and it just happened that the offensive line needed to be blown up. And so now you have, again, is very similar to Jared Cook. You have flexibility. If you want to draft a Wyatt Davis in the second round, you can still do that. If you want to take, you know, Quinn Miners in the second round and have him challenge in the second round for the starting position at right guard, you can still do that. So it gives them flexibility, gives them options. If he is the starter, great. And, and so Tyler mentioned the numbers. Here they are, right? Like the three interior offensive linemen, like in terms of the starters, you know, I'm not counting Cole Toner or Tyree St. Louis or anything like that. You have Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, and Trey Turner. They can they played a combined 41 games between the three of them, and they allowed a whopping 90 total pressures between the three of them. The new trio of Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, and Ode Abuji played a combined 40 games and allowed just 35 pressures. So less than half, right? Like this is so much better. Like this is this group is going to be so much better. And it's just different styles, right? Like Matt Filer, he mentioned it. He's like, I want to blow people off the ball. I want to finish blocks. I want to be physical. And Ode Abuji is the same way. And Corey Lindsley, that's not really his game. But he'll get to the second level. He'll make a lot of impact blocks that way. And he's not going to, you know, push people five yards behind the ball. But he's not going to get blown up either like Dan Feeney would all the freaking time. So it's going to be huge for, you know, the running backs and for Justin Herbert and for everybody involved. Like the offensive line is trending in the right direction. And like I said, if they want to draft a Wyatt Davis and have him challenge, you know, O'Day for the starting spot, they can still do that, you know, and O'Day, if he is the backup, if he is the swing into your offensive lineman, that's great. The Chargers haven't had a great swing option in, I I don't think they ever have in my entire life watching this team. So, (laughs) you know, O'Day Obuji, if he's the backup, that's a great spot for him. It's a great spot for the Chargers. And if he's a starter, same kind of thing, because, you know, he's a reliable, serviceable, above average interior offensive lineman. And that's what the Chargers needed. Right. And I think the the big thing for me is just like you're kind of doing the nuclear option, like we've said, and this guy is a serviceable piece and you you can do whatever you want with him. Uh, You know, the fact that you have Filer Lindsley and now uh, Abuji just kind of in there, I think is such a strength for the Chargers. Um, I, you know, don't know what they'll do at the tackle spots. That remains to be seen. But just having Corey Lindsley in general, you know, communicating to the rest of the offensive line, and now you have these, you know, other interior linemen right next to him that are better than what they had before. Like, I just don't think that could be overstated. Um, obviously, yeah. the tackle spots will be incredibly important when you're going against the type of edge talent there is in the AFC. But, you know, just from a interior standpoint, like, this is the best Chargers group of the last 15 years. <laughs> I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Yeah. And it's, it's okay to be apprehensive about the group. You know, the Chargers right. did in theory get two upgrades last season and it didn't quite pan out. But one of the things I want to keep an eye on with this group and with that 13th pick is what are the Chargers going to do? And I think so far the Chargers have only signed guys who have graded fairly well on Pro Football Focus, and also the the, the numbers add up, right? They're, they they match, right? They match the the grade. It's not like Alejandro Villanueva, where he gave up forty three pressures, 
It has like a 70 something, which doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. whatever, that's pro football focus. <laughs> but you have to start thinking that they are taking these advanced metrics pretty seriously. And the third ranked tackle on pro football focus's board is Christian Derisaw, who they gave a 94.5 run block grade, a 90.8 pass block grade. He allowed zero sacks, zero hits, and he fits the, the, the mold of an offensive lineman physically for the Chargers. So I, I do think that is worth keeping in mind as we move forward. The other thing I really like is just uh, versatility, right? You know, yeah. you talk about uh, they haven't told Filer if he's playing right or left guard. I actually think that's uh, really cool. And I think the other thing with Abuji, he played, I believe, 60 snaps at left guard last year and three snaps at right tackle, right? So the fact that, again, you can swing him around wherever you want. Um, and they may, you know, decide to switch it up in some games or depending on what the matchups are. So uh, I think that's just a really good benefit for them. Yeah, that added versatility, especially for Filer, like, you know, we've talked about, you know, Brian Balaga is probably going to miss a couple games. And I would much rather yeah. at this point put Matt Filer at right tackle and then figure out whoever is the guard in, in his place than watch Trey Pipkins again or Storm Norton. So, <laughs> you know, it gives them options in terms of the tackles. You know, a lot of people have asked me about Eric Fisher, Alejandro Villanueva. The people on the market in terms of offensive tackles, it's just not really, I'm not interested in them, right? Because you, mm-hmm. Tyler just mentioned Villanueva. I've never really felt like he is an above average lineman. Like, he's probably better than Sam Tevy, but like, how much and at what cost, right? If, you're, if my choices are going to be Alejandro Villanueva at $13 million per year, 14 or 15, or Sam Tevy at four or five, like I'm probably going to take Sam Tevy or ideally take a rookie at 13. Like that's the cheapest and best option, in my opinion, at left tackle. Um, I would still like to see them, you know, add another, you know, swing tackle maybe to, to bring some competition at least because, you know, again, Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins should not be counted upon at this point. They haven't really proven anything. They shouldn't be mainstays. They shouldn't be just, you know, assumed roster spots, right? And so if they add an, uh, like a Ricky Wagner or uh, I want to say it's Dennis Kelly who was released by the Titans as like a backup tackle, I think that would make a lot of sense. Or you could bring back Sam Tevy. And again, we haven't really heard anything about Sam Tevy's market or or if he's coming back or anything. So that's just something to keep an eye upon in case anyone has forgotten. Eric Fisher tore his AC or tore his Achilles in December. Stop asking me about Eric Fisher, please, for the love of God. Stop asking me about Eric Fisher. <laughs> He's not going to bounce back from this. At best, you're getting, again, barely better than Sam Tevy. So, no. Yeah, um, the Villanueva thing is interesting uh, just because I just have a feeling that somehow he might end up on the Chargers um, I because we're going into week two. There hasn't been any reported interest in him, so I feel feel like his market is sliding though i don't know if that's just yeah. that his agent is keeping things uh under wraps or whatever but a lot of people were like oh trent williams got signs of the next guy is Villanueva, and he hasn't gotten really any interest nothing, there hasn't yeah. been there hasn't been one rapaport tweet that was sent to him by his agent or whatever like <laughs> um and you know the fact that that's a thing it just makes me think okay so instead of getting you know whatever we expected for him in like a three-year $42 million deal, right? Is he going to get into the point where he's like, all right, I'll take one year, 10 million or something like that. I don't know if he'll take like a bet on himself kind of a deal. Um, I'm not really interested in him because as we mentioned, like 
I think it's a Trey Turner kind of situation where it's like he is good on pro football focus. And I think he had probably a good year last year, but he's kind of been going in the wrong direction and he might just hit that wall. Right. And like we saw Trey Turner, unfortunately, last year, Um, I guess if you have him on a one year deal, it's not a terrible bet. But I, if I was negotiating with Vienna Weva for for any reason, um, I probably would not go after it. And and just in general, we've seen that the signings so far of Lindsley Filer and uh, uh, Abuji have all been kind of analytically inclined, like you guys mentioned. And it just feels like Vienna Weva would kind of be the other way, which is like it, it sort of falls in line with the moves the Chargers made last year. And like, okay, we'll go get Brian Balaga and we'll go get Trey Turner, right? We'll go get the expensive linemen um, instead of kind of winning in the margins. A little bit so uh i'll be curious to see i i kind of have him as a prediction maybe being away but uh i i would also be a pass on that personally i'll just add that i don't think it's going to happen but i've been wrong <laughs> 47 times through right free agency so far so yeah i keep changing That's, my name and yeah really like outside of lindsley like you know it, it's been a little tough to predict what they're doing i think a lot of people probably pegged jared cook as a hunter henry uh replacement but you know, really the surprise of the free agency period so far for the Chargers is that they haven't had it and they haven't added any defensive players. Um, you know, they obviously re-signed Michael Davis, which I thought was a great deal. Definitely got him out of value costs and a great deal for him as well. But, you know, there's – I hate to be like that guy, but it's like, oh, Kyle Fuller. like, And they were in on Kyle Fuller, right? It's just, <laughs> you know, it happened to work out that he – you know, had a deal worked out beforehand with the Denver Broncos. And so unfortunately the Chargers will be playing him uh, twice a year now instead of having him. And, and Adoree Jackson looks like he's going to be a, a New York giant sooner rather than later. You know, he's meeting with them. He's meet, he's meeting with all the players and things like that. That would be a great signing, but you know, this defense, like you have Derwin James, you have Joey Bosa, you have Kenneth Murray, Chris Harris. And that's like, that's the starters, right? You have Linval Joseph, obviously, um, so like th- their secondary needs a lot of work. And I think this really kind of points to them potentially taking a corner at 13 and for sure adding probably three, uh, secondary pieces in the draft because they need to be remade. They haven't really signed anyone. They could still obviously sign a couple of veterans, but I mean, right now it looks like they're going to take probably two secondary pieces in the first, you know, five picks uh, if I had to assume and, you know, it's a high probability and possibility that they take a cornerback at 13, in my opinion, uh, unless they sign, you know, somebody, you know, relatively soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked about it or we're going to talk about it soon with Denver and the Giants and the signings they made this week to change the draft. But Kyle Fuller is the kind of move where it's like, all right, if we have him and we have Michael Davis, then we might be able to wait on a corner. Right. right. Um, but, you know, that didn't pan out. Doesn't look like a Jackson's going to pan out. Um, and doesn't seem like the Chargers have a lot of interest in him. But, yeah, I, I think that the corner, you know, on this team is thin in terms of depth. You know, you have Michael Davis as your CB1, which I'm fine with, but then you're really having Chris Harris as your CB2, and then which which is mm, okay, but then you have Tavon Campbell <laughs> in the slot. Right? face on, man. Wh- Right, or or Brandon Faison, right? And that takes, you know, really the issue with that is it takes Chris Harris away from what he does best, which is the slot. So that's where you want to have Chris Harris um, as opposed to, you know, 
putting him at CB2, which is what uh, Fangio did in his last year in Denver. So I think they should, you know, I think they have to get a quarterback in the draft, in free agency, someone to at least put kind of a, a buffer between, you know, Brandon Faison and, you know, uh, Devon Campbell in starting slot roles. But, yeah. uh, and, you know, keep Chris Harris at safety, uh, not at safety, yeah, at a cornerback uh, at slot. Okay. Um, <laughs> let you get through that one, Alex. Um, Thanks. <laughs> it seems like they know that they they need help at corner if they yeah. were actually in at Fuller, which means yeah. they are looking at some sort of legit starting option um, for the team. And so I think that will get addressed in free agency still. Starting option. I don't know if it's going to be a starter, but it'll be someone that they can peg as at least a stopgap, perhaps. I don't know. Right. But they are setting themselves up to look at the corners from any point in the draft. Denver has now allowed probably a corner to slip to 13, one of the big three. They have looked at Asante Samuel, who could probably go in the second round. They have looked at Drew Williams, who can go in the you know third, fourth, whatever round. They looked at Avery Williams, who could go you know back end of the draft. So I think they are ready to. I think they're going yeah. to sign someone in free agency, and then I think they are ready to let the draft kind of tell them where they're going to take their next corner. I'm still worried. Um, like we talked about having to t- take Tommy Tremble and Revan Jordan. Now that kind of eliminates the possibility of taking a better corner. Um, but we'll see for right now. I think they're just, yeah. I, I think they're going to add someone to free agency still. Yeah. We have to take the wait and see mantra right now. Right. Because you know, everybody's kind of like, well, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. Well, the Brandon Staley and Vic Vangio scheme requires like six above average defensive backs. Like they're not going to head into the season with Derwin James, Chris Harris, and Michael Davis being the only above average backs defensive backs. Like they will do something. And so, you know, they have a couple options, you know, Steven Nelson from Pittsburgh has been rumored to be, you know, available for trade, which means he's probably going to be released in the next few days. Um, And they have, they could still call Adore Jackson. I don't think it's going to happen, but, um, they could call Adore Jackson's former teammate in Malcolm Butler. And I know a lot of people kind of have this, you know, uh, narrative in their minds that he's kind of washed up and he had a really good season last year. He was 10th in passer rating when targeted, um, you know, ahead of guys like um, Marlon Humphrey and, and, and players like that. And he had five interceptions and 11 pass breakups. So, you know, similar to like a Jared Cook on a one-year deal, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think their money would probably be better spent at this point in going after a slot cornerback because K1 Williams is available. Brian Poole is available. There's some good slot cornerbacks that they, that they could target. And then you can have Chris Harris play outside. I know it's not ideal, but at least it's something. There's some good safeties still out there like Jaquiski Tart. So they have options and they probably will do something. They, they have to, like you can't head into the draft needing four defensive backs and you also need offensive line and you probably need some you and you you need you do need a tight end so i do expect them to sign someone this week that plays defensive back whether that's a safety um or a cornerback the other one that i wanted to mention in terms of a safety is deshaun gibson uh who has scheme familiarity and he had kind of a career renaissance last year with chicago and they still run a vic fangio kind of defense and so I think that could make some sense as well. Yeah, uh, I think there's still a lot of decent depth pieces they can kind of sign for the secondary. Like, I don't think it's you know the season is over because we didn't get Troy Hill. Yeah, uh, like some people on Twitter think. But um, you know, I, uh, I, I, you know, I think they c- should have shot their shot on some of these corners. Uh, whether that's a Troy Hill, 
Um, I also wouldn't have minded Anthony Harris uh, for the secondary. It's kind of that free safety presence just so there's a little bit less pressure on um, Nasir. But, you know, it is what it is, and you just kind of move on to the next free agents uh, that are available. Uh, You know, there's not a lot on there, but there's guys who can at least play pretty decent depth roles. I don't know, you know, Adoree Jackson's going to New York. Uh, I don't know if there's really a guy who can be your CB2, like from the jump anymore, because Kyle Fuller is gone uh, and some of the other guys are gone. But uh, I I think you're mainly looking for depth. And then hopefully in the draft, you kind of take your quarterback of the future. Either way, just be patient, guys. You know, we had no idea who Odea Bougie was until 24 (laughs) hours ago. And now it might be our second highest viewed video on YouTube because you guys are so hyped about it. So like, it's okay. We can relax. You know, I've been like trying to talk to people. Like I I know that the Chargers could have been doing more. Like I get it. They had close to $50 million in cap space. I understand a little frustration, but at this time last year, we were looking at Brian Bulaga and Brian Bulaga only. And then they signed Chris Harris and then Val Joseph on Monday and Nick Vigil. And at least at the time, those were all good signings, you know. And so they've gotten three legitimate starters on the offensive line. They replaced Hunter Henry with a stopgap option, re-signed Michael Davis. So it's not like they're doing nothing. It's not like Tom Telesco is sitting on his hands saying, oh, look, I still have $50 million in cap space. What should I do with it? Like, they have players. They're not doing an Urban Meyer where they still have a ton of cap space and no one wants to play there. Um, (laughs) So I understand a little bit of frustration. But pump the brakes. You know, the sky is not falling. They'll be okay. And, you know, if worse, if the worst case scenario happens, then they still have the draft. So if they suck at the draft, then you can freak out. And then, but for now, just take a deep breath, relax, positive vibes. It's still only the second week of free agency and they can still go out and get some good starters. Speaking of Urban Meyer, I mean, this guy talking about, <laughs> oh, I want to jump to the NFL. I don't like oh. how NFL free agency works. I like college better. Go back to college then, you fucking fart. <laughs> Oh, man. Urban has changed a lot since he left Utah. He should have stayed at Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so in terms of the draft, right, like like, let's get back to that conversation because I think it is necessary. You know, the Broncos don't need a corner. And a lot of people in Denver seem to think that they're either going to target a quarterback, you know, if one falls and, and kind of maybe play the waiting game there or potentially trade back if they don't, you know, get a shot on their guy. Again, Adam Schefter said this on uh, one of the free agency shows that ESPN did. He thinks that there's going to be four quarterbacks taken in the top five. It's totally possible. If Adam Schefter says it, there's probably something to it. Um, but I think the Broncos, you know, could take an offensive lineman. They could take Rayshon Slater because they need a right tackle. They probably need a left guard. And so they could probably, they could realistically target Rayshon Slater. The other thing I will say the San Francisco 49ers were pegged as a Rayshon Slater landing spot and they lost Richard Sherman. They lost K1 Williams. So they need cornerback help too. So I'm not like holding my breath that Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan are, are going to be available there again. If JC Horn is my cornerback, number one, he is my CB one just so everybody is clear there. And I would be thrilled if that's the pick, but you know, then you're playing the waiting game with offensive tackle. And I just don't know. Like the value for me is offensive line or edge in the first round. And then you can figure out cornerback later. So 
I know we all want a cornerback right now at 13, but again, you know, just take it, take a step back because the offensive line still needs help. You know, this is a really good solid start. They don't have any depth, man. They don't have a left tackle. So, you know, pump the brakes on the cornerback at 13 talk, 13 talk. I still think it needs to be an offensive lineman for now. Yeah. I, the Denver thing is interesting because Albright, uh, who who covers the team, he was kind of saying that even before they got Kyle Fuller, that they weren't in on a cornerback. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm I don't know how much that changes things. And also, you can make the argument that if they did want to take a cornerback, Kyle Fuller's on a one year deal, and if he has a really good year, he's going to cash in probably somewhere else next next year because they just signed Justin Simmons to a what uh, a four year sixty million dollar extension. So. There, there's definitely the possibility of that. Um, the Giants, I think, probably don't take a wide receiver anymore because they did just go get Kenny Galladay. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know about that either because Gettleman, he's uh, he's an enigma. And so he, I, it wouldn't shock me if he decides to take Jalen Waddell. It wouldn't shock me if he decided to take Rayshon Slater. Um, I don't know how this really has affected who's going to be available at 13 other than you know, like we said, the the quarterback talk has superheated up, and now it's you know uh, not only Schefter who said the you know four quarterbacks in the top five, but uh, Benjamin Albright put it out an interesting. If I had to guess today on Twitter, that had Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Ju- Trey Lance, and Justin Fields all in the top five, uh, which is just insane. I, I don't think we've ever really seen that before in a draft. Yeah. But um, I don't know how much has changed for the Chargers. I just think. They'll have their, you know, pick of quarterbacks and, you know, uh, tackles and guards at 13. That That's going to be who's there. I don't think Slater's going to be there, but you guys, you're going to have your ABT, your Darisaw, and you're going to have probably, depending on how it turns out, your choice of at least uh, Sertan and Horn, maybe Farley if you get a little bit lucky. Um, so I, I think they'll still have their choices of uh, who's there. The only one thing to consider, which you've kind of brought up, is that trade back into the first round. And I just don't know who's yeah. going to be available for them because even if they gave up both third round picks, based on the draft value chart, they can only get to 24, which is where Pittsburgh is picking. Yeah. And is probably gone. Elijah Baratuck is probably gone. It would probably mean Slater and Sewell are gone. It's like, what? who are you really moving up for? And that's if you give up both yeah. thirds, which is a terrible decision. Um, if you give up you know, if you need a quarterback, you can jump back in like that. Sure. But they don't. So there's no reason to give up two third round picks, you know, otherwise they're moving to 29. If they give up their first third round pick or 30. Um, so it's either green Bay or Buffalo. And like, I don't know like why would you like you're trading up to get Radunes and giving up a premier pick. Like, yeah, I just don't know if I buy into that. So, I mean, a lot of you know fans are talking about trading up like last year and sure they did, but people forget that they moved up from six. They didn't move up from, or not six, but 37 or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm moving up from 47, <clears throat> um, which is a lot more difficult. So I still think just based on the draft, you got to go, you got to go offensive lineman. And, you know, if you want to wait until round two to trade up a little bit and give up, I don't know, your extra sixth, a fifth, whatever, and get that corner that you really like who's really close, that's fine. Telesco's done it three times with linebackers. So I could see something more like that, but the idea of trading back into the first to get a tackle, I just don't think it's super realistic based on their needs. So I think, I still think it doesn't change what the TRs need to do. Sure, another Farley might be there, but I still think you got to go left tackle. 
Yeah, I, I think that you could probably trade into the second or trade up in the second, right? Yeah. With that third round pick uh, and the the extra one they have. If you really want to do that, like say, you know, let's say they go offensive tackle in the first round and you're getting worried about whether Asante Samuel is going to be there, then yeah. you could jump five, six picks and, you know, make sure that yeah. you uh, get him. Like, I think that's the most realistic kind of situation that they can do with their third round picks, but <laughs> no team is going to trade, you know, your, their, their first round pick for your third, right? When they traded up for new England last year, they knew they were giving up their third and their second, right? That's, that's the price of trading up into the first round. Yeah. Um, and especially in this draft, I think with the sheer amount of offensive skill players that are available, uh, for teams to have, I honestly think the cost of trading up might be a little bit higher like than it was last year, yeah. especially when you consider that we're, we might have four or five quarterbacks go in the top 10, and then you know all these other players are just going to be available with the next 20, 25 picks. So um, you, I keep saying it. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just think, you know, I, I don't think you can trade up back into the first round like you did last year for uh, like they did last year for Kenneth Murray. I think the only way that they trade up is probably the second or day three. Can they trade up, you know, into the fourth yeah. or fifth round with the extra picks they have? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I just don't see how they don't take cornerback or offensive tackle at 13. If I had to say my gut feeling right now, and I know this is not going to make some people happy, I would guess that Telesco goes corner uh, in round one, be that uh, Horns or Tan uh, or or Farley if he is there. Yeah, well, it, it's going to depend on, on how they view the board, right? And so, like, I know that Tom Telesco is probably looking at this offensive tackle class and going, okay, I could realistically get a legitimate starter in the second round. Like, you know, this is a scenario that they're probably talking about, right? Does he feel the same way about the cornerback class? I think he should. But the general consensus, outside of my opinion, is that the cornerback class has a big three, a couple other players who could be legitimate starters, whether that's Greg Newsom or Eric Stokes or Asante Samuel Jr. Like there, there are some good options there. But what if they're all gone, right? The chances of getting a, an offensive tackle, like a legitimate day, day one starter in the second round, to me, are slim. And to get a starting corner in the second round are probably higher. But does Tom Telesco think that way? I don't think he's going to, honestly. You know, we we have no reason to think that he's going to take an offensive lineman. Like, we have no reason to be confident that they're going to take Christian Derrissaw or Elijah Vera Tucker or Tevin Jenkins, who I think should be in that conversation. Um, we just don't. And so I think if J.C. Horn is on the board there, and he probably will be, I don't know if he's going to have – you know, the gall to say, you know what, I need an offensive tackle and I'm going to pass on the corner, especially if Caleb Farley there. I think if Caleb Farley is on the board at 13, it's going to happen. So I don't know, man. Like I would love to say like with 100% confidence, it's going to be an offensive tackle. It should. That's the conversation, right? It should be an offensive tackle. I just don't think it's going to be an offensive tackle at this point. Barring, you know. Oh, wow. So you really... Yeah, I, I just the way that Tom Telesco thinks, I don't think it's going to be an offensive tackle, barring you know a, a Dory Jackson out of nowhere signing with the Chargers. Like I just think they need a true cornerback. One, I know everybody's kind of high on Michael Davis right now. I don't think Michael Davis is truly a cornerback. One, 
think is going to be for the Chargers, but I think they need help. And I think J.C. Horn, Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertan uh, could all be that for the Chargers. Ooh, this got interesting. Okay. Which sucks. Right. I, like, I hate having this conversation yeah. because it 100% should be an offensive tackle, but yeah, I'm just not super confident that it's going to be. Yeah, I, I don't know. For for me, it's just you you can't predict Telesco. And um, <laughs> that is also you, true. Yeah, like that, that's been the thing for me this whole time. Like, you know, I can do a mock draft where I'm like, uh, you know, I think it's going to be this tackle or this player at 13. Last year was easier because you really knew yeah. that it's six. You know, you knew who the five back. guys off the board were going to be. It was going to be uh, Burrow, then Chase Young, then Okuda, then um, Andrew Thomas, then Tua. And then you knew that Herbert and the other guys were going to be there and Telesco was going to take whoever he thought was the best out of that group or, you know, the Mm -hmm. quarterback based on the need. This year is just hard because so much has to play out in front of them uh, at at 13 that it's just hard to predict, A, who's going to be there, and B, um, you know, what does Telesco think, right? You know, we, we talked about, you know, people kept mentioning like, Derwin James, right? Oh, well, don't say Kyle Pitts can't fall to the Chargers because Derwin James did. You know, I, I don't agree with that because I, I think to less, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts is going to go in the first five or six picks. But there is something to like, oh, if this player, you know, say Rayshon Slater, we didn't think he would be available at 13, but now he is, you know, the pick isn't right. There could be something like that. Or if you don't think Sertan is going to be available, if you don't think Farley is going to be available, does that change the calculus, right? It just depends on how Telesco views these prospects. Um, but yeah, I just, it's harder to predict it this year or like do a real mock draft on like where Telesco is. And I don't even think the free agents fix, you know, uh, you know, or tell us where the Chargers are going to go in free agency. I don't think because they got offensive line help, they're not going to go tackle. I don't think because they got, you know, tight end help, uh, obviously they're, you know, still going to go tight end, even though they signed Jared Cook, right? Uh, I don't think any of the free agency, you know, buzz or news has really given us any indication of where the Chargers are leading with a 13th pick or really later in the draft too. But we'll find out whatever happens at 13. I'll be patient because I assume these NFL GMs and the people that are actually being paid for this know what the draft is thinking or the, excuse me, what the league is thinking. So yeah. if they take a corner and we're sitting there and going, that's so stupid. My mock draft I did in April said that there weren't going to be any other corners there or whatever. Like, and then it ends up being, and they have their pick of Tevin Jenkins, Badoons, Diggerson, all these guys are there in the second round. Like, you know, what do we know? So I'll be patient. But if they, if they don't announce a tackle at 13 for like the 50th year in a row, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to fucking lose it on the yeah. live broadcast. Yeah. And live it, podcast it, is going to be an interesting show. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like they have two positions of like the most glaring need that they have neglected for ever since Tom Telesco. Because yeah, they've like the only cornerback outside cornerback. Everything's going to bring up Desmond King. The only outside cornerback that they've picked is Craig Mager, and they haven't picked a first round offensive lineman <laughs> since freaking DJ Fluker. They haven't picked a second round offensive lineman since Forrest Lap, and that's the only one. So, like their two biggest needs are cornerback an offensive line and Telesco has barely put any emphasis on them in the draft. And so he's, he is unpredictable. Like that's Tom Telesco's game. We will not know anything about that. And like, that's another thing about free agency. They could have been in on any number of guys. We would never know. 
right? Like we didn't know that they were in on Kyle Rudolph until after Kyle Rudolph signed with the Giants. Um, so we don't know. Maybe they were in on a bunch of other players and we just don't know about it. But in terms of the draft, like it's going to be so interesting to see which position gets the shaft because, you know, if you, t- <laughs> <laughs> if you talk about the offensive line play, like there's a lot of legitimate offensive tackles that should be first round picks. But does that push them down the board? Do, do people look at cornerbacks and say, you know what? Like, I need a cornerback, and I know that I can get another offensive tackle in the second round. Do I take Asante Samuel at 20? Do I take J.C. Horn at 14? Do I take Greg Newsom at 27? And does that push all the offensive tackles down the board or vice versa? You know, does Greg Newsom fall all the way to 47 because there's just this insane run of offensive tackles? And then you have the wide receiver class, which, like, Rashad Bateman in, in a different year is probably a legitimate wide receiver one or wide receiver two. And this year, it's just like, well, nobody's really talking about him because there's all these other players. Yeah. So one of these positions is going to get the shaft, and one of them is going to fall, you know, way further than they should. And there's going to be four quarterbacks in the top four or five, and probably five quarterbacks in the top ten. So one position is going to fall. It's just going to be, you know, depending on that day, who the who, which position group falls. Yeah. It, it it's just you know. We're here sitting in the second week of free agency, and I actually think this week, you know, depending on who they sign, it could be a big deal too, right? If you at least find like a serviceable corner, um, you know, I'll I'll pull it up and see who I can find later in the show. But I um, I think as as long as you get some depth in the second week, and they did sign Chris Harris and Linval Joseph last week. That can change your perception, right? If they go out, AJ Bouye is a free agent, and we know he has kind of a connection uh, to Ronaldo Hill. Uh, so, you know, if you go get him, does that slightly decrease the need for a cornerback? Probably, right? Uh, I, I don't know if any of these other quarterbacks fit because it's a bunch of Casey Hayward and Richard Sherman and Josh Norman. Um, but yeah. if you do go kind of get like a high end, maybe young corner, uh, maybe Mackenzie Alexander from Cincinnati, who I like a lot, or, or Brian Poole. Um, there's a lot of guys they can go out and get still to boost the depth of the team at any number uh, of positions. Offensive line, offensive tackles have been moving incredibly slowly throughout this free agent process. I mean, really, it was it was just I don't know. It was it was Trent and then Riley Reif, and we haven't heard anything really since about any tackles. So you know a Villanueva or someone else is still out there kind of just <laughs> weirdly. Um, so depends what they do in the second week of free agency. I do expect Telesco to make some moves. I don't know if it's going to be the big moves like a Dory Jackson and some of these uh, moves that the fans want them to make, but I do still think Telesco in, in his second week form will be a little bit more active. I wonder if the free agency period is telling us something about, how the league views this draft because they're definitely not taking a bunch of receivers. No one's signing these guys except the stupid uh, giants. giants. <laughs> I mean, not call it as a bad player, but Jesus Christ guys. And then um, <laughs> Such you know, a bad the li- contract. <laughs> awful. And then they're not signing tackles. Like you said, the wide receiver market is slow and they love tackle or the tackle market in general is pretty slow. And I'm, I'm maybe they think there's going to be they Everyone's going after tackles and receivers this draft. And maybe it's the corner group that falls. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious. I can't. I wish I could go back in time, see what happens, and then come back because this is, it's it's very interesting. This offseason is unlike any other. Time heist, man. Let's do it. Um, okay. <laughs> 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 we 
we're all, we're three very highly educated individuals. Let's make it happen. Um, okay. No, it, like they have to sign more people. Like they have too many roster holes to just you know sit on this cap and carry over you know whatever it is eighteen million dollars depending on who you ask to next season and just you know hold that for next season. Like they have to sign more players and they will. Um, I mentioned a couple players. I think Deshaun Gibson would be interesting. Malcolm Butler would be interesting for me. Um, a lot of fans have talked about Jadavion Clowney or potentially bringing back Melvin Ingram. Where do you guys stand on a couple players that you think would make sense for uh, this second week of free agency? Alex, we'll start with you. I think there's a lot of guys. Uh, you do Chase Daniel, who I, I like a lot if you want him as a backup quarterback. I know the Easton Stick truthers are going to be in the comments coming at me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I wouldn't mind him to boost the depth. Um it seems like Melvin Ingram is out the door, so so that kind of creates a need. Uh, someone that hasn't been talked about a lot, but I think would be an interesting signing, uh, given Tom Telesco's history with the Colts. Uh, I forget who pointed this out to me on Twitter, uh, but T.Y. Hilton is, is kind of available. You could probably get him at a really cheap value because he's been hurt over the last couple of years. I don't think he would cost a lot. That would kind of be an interesting signing just based on the previous Telesco connections. Uh, Jadavion Clowney is, I know, a guy that a lot of Chargers fans have talked about, especially because Melvin Ingram looks like he's going to be banging the drum instead of bulk ganger don't bang. Uh, so, you know, I think that if you get Jadavion Clowney, at the very least, he's a good run stopper, someone to put out opposite Bosa in, in a more yeah. um, permanent role. But that kind of does depend on his health because he also, like Ingram, I, I believe, did have some knee issues. Uh, and then it's kind of really depth after that. I don't think there's a ton of starter starting caliber guys, but there are guys that you can just add to the fold. Like uh, Stephen talked about Cordero Patterson on Twitter, and that goes all the way back to Hutchinson Community College with Brandon Staley. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that would be a fun signing from the standpoint of special teams, from the standpoint of just getting another receiver that you can play uh, for, you know, we'll, I don't think he's going to be cheap, but, you know, you can at least, you know, probably, uh, I don't know, I don't want to make a guess on his contract. It's probably going to be maybe a little of the Chargers price range, but maybe they feel a need to go a little bit over. Um, and yeah, at that point, again, it's just depth guys. Um, Bashad Breland is available on the market. Um, but yeah, there, there aren't a ton of free agents remaining that interest me, but I will be curious mostly to see the V in the way of a thing. And if they're going to be in play for him because they've already been in play with Filer, or are they just kind of going to leave the offensive line uh, to the draft at this point? But uh, we'll see. There's certainly still some interesting guys that I would like to see them sign. I, I don't know how much action they really have left though. The whole Corderell Patterson being available thing really irritates me because <laughs> like, I understand that they have some guys on their roster that can return. And yeah, sure, they did draft uh, Joe Reed to do that. And Sierra Adderley did show a few good things. If there were, I don't know, a running back, a receiver, an offensive lineman, who was the top two in NFL history at something, pressures allowed per game, or... I don't know. Point is, Cordero Patterson is second in NFL history with yards per return. Your return game isn't very good, Telesco. You have all the connections to your coaching staff. He only was two million or two years, ten million dollars with the Bears. 
It's going to be less than that this season, whatever that is. One year, four, whatever. I don't know. I don't understand why. If it, Look, if the deal gets done, the deal gets done. It's not like someone else has signed him and it's over for the Chargers. They could still pick him up. I'm just surprised that it hasn't gotten done yet. And I know Chargers fans will point to Nasir Adderley. He's returned 11 kicks. And even with that small sample size, which could boost your average, and I think it did. If he play, you know, if he returned 30 kicks, I'm sure it would be lower. Even with just 11 kicks and a, and a boosted you know, average, still didn't beat out Cordero Patterson, you know, what he's done in his career and what he did last year. I'm just surprised right. that this move hasn't been done yet because, I mean, I want to give Justin Herbert the ball to 29 every single drive. I know that's not how it works, <laughs> but like you start at the 22, start at the 20, 29. Like just, I know you have to block, sure. There's more teams than special teams than just right. one guy running fast. It's not, you know, running in the grass with your friends and playing football. It doesn't work like that, but. It just seems like such a slam dunk, easy move, low cost. The ties are there. He was great last year. He's been good his entire career. You have the need. And you know, maybe Adelie's playing a full-time role on defense, kind of like he did last year. And you don't really want to have... It's not like Adelie was their number one choice, I don't think, going into last season. They had other options that they wanted to figure out. So I'm, I hope I hope this deal gets done because I think it just makes a ton of sense. Telesco has self-admitted he didn't have enough guys on special teams. Granted, I think he was talking more about guys to to prevent returners from returning, but I don't know. That, that's the one I'm keeping my eye on because otherwise I'm just kind of like, whatever, just let me know when you sign someone. <laughs> no, I think you're right to be a, a little upset about that because, you know, he is a fantastic returner and, you know, he's more, he's evolved into more of that. You know, he took on a bigger role with the Bears as a running back, as a receiver, and, you know, that's what Joe Reed could be, right? But that's what, you know, Cordell Patterson is right now. And so I think that would be a really good signing. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, a lot of people have talked about edge um, in terms of it being a need. And I think someone that really could still be an effective edge rusher for a team as a second pass rusher, third pass rusher is Olivier Vernon. You know, a lot of people have talked about Jadavion Clowney and Carlos Dunlap and Melvin Ingram. But Olivier Vernon was more productive and more efficient than all of those guys. He had 51 pressures and nine sacks last year, and his pass rush productivity rate on Pro Football Focus was significantly higher than any of those players. So I think Olivier Vernon is somebody that I would be interested in. I don't think that there's any connections that I know of, um, but at least on paper, I think that would make a lot of sense. Frankly, I was surprised that Jeremiah Atauchu did not get a call. I mean, he could have, right? But you know, I'm surprised that Jeremiah Atauchu didn't uh sign with the chargers honestly i i thought that that would be a depth signing that brandon staley would be in favor of and again maybe he was and we just don't know it but uh he signed today with who did he sign with i can't even remember right now uh chicago chicago that's right so i think that would make some sense you know ryan kerrigan's out there i'm not too interested in that everson griffin i think signing a free agency pass for sure would make sense is, is what i'm trying to say because then that kind of eliminates the need uh, early and you can kind of focus on other things, offensive line and the secondary. So I think, you know, something to keep an eye on this week is if they make a move for an edge rusher. Yeah. The edge rusher will be interesting. One of the guys that I really like who can play outside linebacker and he can also play linebacker. Uh, I like KJ, Wright. Uh, I said this kind of going into free agency. He's still out there. Uh, I don't know if he's going to resign with Seattle or what's the deal there. He seems to be in this, second wave of free agency with everybody else. Uh, but if you could get him on like a, I don't know, one year, $7 million deal, two years, 14, I really wouldn't hate it. I still think he's pretty uh, productive and can still get after the quarterback or, you know, 
they do need still depth at just not even just pass rusher, just linebacker and KJ Wright might be kind of solving two problems in one a little bit. Yeah, that would be that would be a good signing as well. So I think in terms of backup quarterback, um, they have some options now. Obviously, they have Chase Daniel, like Alex talked about. They could go Colt McCoy, who was with Shane Day in Washington, obviously familiar with that kind of scheme. And they could go with Matt Barkley. I think Matt Mark Matt Barkley would be a fine backup as well. Played some good football for the Bills in, in spot duty over the last couple of years. Um, so they have some options there. In terms of the secondary, a lot of people keep asking about Richard Sherman. If they wanted a zone cornerback, they could have just kept Casey Hayward. So I don't really think that's going to happen. I know that a lot of people really liked his interview with Brandon Staley on their podcast. I just don't think it's a, a fit, honestly. So um, if it's a cornerback, I'm keeping my eye on, Ma- on Malcolm Butler, A.J. Bouye, that kind of range. Um, as much as I'm going to hate it, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed Kareem Jackson. Uh, it's just not really somebody that I'm interested. I think he's a really dirty player, but you know he's got connections to the Denver coaching staff, obviously. Uh, and he would definitely fill a need, would allow Derwin James to, you know, really just move wherever Brandon Staley wanted him to. And you can put Kareem Jackson and Nasir Adderley in the back. Um, like I said to Sean Gibson as well. So uh, I think really this week, my eyes are on the secondary market and the pass rusher market. I, I guess I'll ask, we'll finish on this. Uh, I remember Tyler tweeted a week ago, it was like, if the Chargers don't sign any Brandon Staley uh, connections, you know, any Rams, <laughs> I'd be shocked. Um, what do we make of them not signing any Rams or not signing any guys really that have had a, a strong connection to Staley? Well, I think the connection is not as strong as we might have thought. Uh, right. Certainly there's familiarity. I don't know how strong the connection could be in one year. I'm still surprised, though, that, our, again, our strongest connection has been the our current, you know, uh, not assistant offensive line coach and Brian Bulaga. Like I. It's such an odd yeah. like for the first daily to have none of those three guys. And then so far, I mean, I guess they're in on Fuller. So maybe you know, they're, they are trying to explore these connections a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm definitely surprised so far that they haven't really capitalized on, on that connection so far. So I guess we'll see. Well, I felt like the biggest connection that they could have drawn to was Leonard Floyd. Yeah. And I mean, there was no way the chargers were touching that kind of contract. Um, what was it for, for 64? I think it was Yeah, um, just outrageous for a player who I like, but you know, they're sure. paying him more than so many players. You know, he got more money than Carl Lawson. He got more money than Shaq Barrett. So Jeez. that one was surprising. Um, I just kind of figured, you know, that relationship with John Johnson would really, you know, carry more weight. Yeah. And again, we don't know if he did have an offer from the Chargers. We don't know if if that made sense for what they were thinking. But I, I'm surprised that it wasn't one of those two. That being said, like there's still some other connections out there. Obviously, like I said, Kareem Jackson. You know, they could still bring in theoretically like an Austin Blythe. I guess that would count as a Brandon Staley connection. Uh, he's an offensive lineman though, but. It, it, it is really surprising that not a single like Brandon Staley one is is a charter. Like it, it's honestly very it's shocking. Has he ever? This is gonna be. A, I don't know. I don't know this personally. Has any of his guys that he's coached have they started with him or they have they been there and then he's gone to them? Because is he hopped from Chicago, hopped to Denver, hopped to the Rams? Was he ever someone that was he when he joined? Those guys were drafted that same year or brought in that same year? Or has it always just been him being the second guy there and the free agent or the corner or whatever gets there first? Um, well, yeah, John Johnson was drafted way before. So, it, right. so was Troy Hill. 
I think Leonard Floyd was probably in his second season when Staley got to Chicago, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering correctly. Um, I, Jeremiah Atatou did go to Denver at the same time as Brandon Staley. That one I do know, but again, you know, he was drafted by the Chargers. Right. Um, a lot of people were saying, you know, like the Kyle Fuller thing was surprising. You know, he Kyle Fuller knew Vic Vangio for five years. He knew Brandon Staley for two, yeah. I think. So I'm not overly surprised that Kyle Fuller decided to go back with Vic Vangio. Um, and it's always like, you know, why would you go to the student when you can go to the teacher kind of thing? Um, right. But the the biggest surprise to me is John Johnson, because I, you know, Brandon Staley and, and Johnson talked, you know, so glowingly about each other that I figured that that one was like the most likely thing. Uh, turns out I was wrong. Yeah, uh, we all end up with egg on our face sometimes. And I told <laughs> you guys that Brandon Staley views Derwin James as the John Johnson role, and I was right. So take a little victory lap on that one. Can't wait for Nasir Adderley and Jilly Ladai in, in week four. I'm not taking a victory lap on that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll, they'll have to you know address that some way because – you know, my understanding of like what he wants to do with the defense is like he's going to do have two safeties high and he's going to have Derwin James like around the line of scrimmage. So he is going to have to add another safety like at some point, um, you know, someone is going to have to sit back there. I don't think it's going to be a Gilman. Like, my gosh, <laughs> like, please do not put Nasir Adderley and Alohi Gilman as the, the two back safeties. That would be just a, a atrocity. Like, I, I do not want to see that. Um so they'll add someone. I think that's kind of why I think Kareem Jackson would make a lot of sense because I would at least like trust his ability back there, like way more than I would trust Alohi Gilman. Um, but I'm, you know, I've got to dig into the safety class. I know Richie Grant is kind of like my favorite right now, the, the safety out of UCF, but I haven't really looked into many others. Trayvon Morgan is a, is a really good player, but you know, th- like they're going to have to add a safety at some point to uh, take some pressure off of Nasir Adderley and, Derwin James, frankly. Shout out to my guy, Hamza Nasser Dean. Uh, we're coming for you. <laughs> Fifth round. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Great. All right, guys. Any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? I guess not. <laughs> uh, uh, love those love those awkward Not songs. too many thoughts for me. Yeah. <laughs> not too many thoughts for me. Oh. I really I have no thoughts. We're going into the second week of free agency. I have no idea what Telesco's gonna do. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely keep an eye on that edge rusher market, the safety market. But um, thanks for tuning in, guys. This has been fun to be able to wrap this this week up and, and kind of talk about uh, these last couple of weeks. So we will see you guys on Thursday, and we are looking forward to that conversation and hopefully some more signings. Thanks. Have a good week. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No. Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself 
with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.